दिस इज पजीत लेट्स गो ब्रेंडन प्लीज रिमेम्बर टू गेट वैक्सीनेटेड एंड वेयर द मास्क कम एंड मैन ऑल्सो डोंट फॉर गेट टू साइन अप फॉर योर फ्री ओबामा फोन बाय गेट स्टॉप एंड सेल योर बिटकॉइन दिस इज फाइनेंशियल एडवाइस from your favorite pajit oh man a nice little intro from our friend pajit from pakistan what's going on you're listening to life in paris podcast with me your host brandon harper i'm just a regular dude with a regular job and lots and lots of opinions so i come here about once every week or so to get them off my chest some you'll agree with and others you won't and i'm perfectly okay with that and you know what you should be okay with that too because the world would be a better place if we could all disagree without being so disagreeable. I'm also okay with joking about cultural differences. So if you're easily offended or scarf, snarf, what is the word? Scoff when people joke about cultural differences and you get all offended, this is not the right place for you. But I guarantee you there are no ill intentions. And if there's one other thing you need to know about me, it's that I do not do pre-recorded intros. So, sit back, relax, and let me control the starship for about the next 30 to 45 minutes. After the Super Bowl, lots of happening in the world this week. A lot of things that I don't really care about too much, but some of the things I feel obligated to talk about, at least share my opinion and let you know why I don't care about them. The Super Bowl was yesterday and I was very taken aback. Well, maybe not. Maybe not taken aback, but it was surprising to me to read what was written on the field in the end zone of the Super Bowl. in the grass. I'll get to that later. If you watched the game, you probably saw it too. Quite saddening to be honest with you, but like I said, that's what we call a teaser. And to be frank, this is probably the first time I've watched the Super Bowl in I don't know, 5, 6 years. Maybe fewer, maybe a little bit less. I just I don't have a desire to watch these people who get paid millions and millions of dollars to run up and down the field and play a sport who act like babies off the field and they get into trouble and they make children they don't take care of and they go to jail now no not all of them do but a good portion of them do and i just cannot go for that it's tough for me to get into that that environment and and to care to just to 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 be happy if my win if my team wins and sad if my team loses i just i don't have enough care in me there's there's too many other things going on in my world and i just can't allocate care to a professional sport players you know what i mean i'm not going to rant too hard yet i'm going to come back to this i promise you 
If I remember, I will come back to this. But first, I want to talk about one of the same things that everybody was talking about. And while I try to not talk about the same things that everyone else talks about, sometimes I have to. I do, however, hope that I can provide an alternate viewpoint or maybe a different spin on things. Because a lot of people, when they present things, they're not willing to give their full and total unbiased opinion. If you haven't figured it out by now, I am willing to do that. And what I'm referring to, specifically, is the Grammy Awards. Now, I'll admit, when I was growing up, I used to love to watch the award shows with my mom. We would eat an early dinner and pile up on the couch, watch all the award shows, and we would guess on who's going to win, and it was a really good time. A lot of fond memories doing that. But as I got older, I started realizing that it, these things aren't all that important in life. Whether or not these people win a stupid medal, it doesn't matter, that stuff. you know. And, and I realize it sounds kind of like fuddy-duddy, stick-in-the-mud, grumpy old man to say that. But that's really how I started feeling. And that started happening about the time I was, I don't know, 22, maybe? But nonetheless, every year the Grammys roll around, and every year there's something for everyone to talk about, whether you're left, right, or claim to be center. There's always something that gets you worked up. And in this case, in the Grammys, there's two things that everyone just couldn't stop talking about. The show with the guy named Sam whatever, who they all dressed in red and pretended like they were the devil. And then whatever costume some other dude wore that was like black uh, patent leather that had like hearts in it. Which, first of all, I'm going to start I'm gonna start with the black patent leather stupid outfit. And I'm not going to be like all these other conservative talk show hosts that poke fun of the guy and say... Watch out, you might fly away. They just recycle all the same old tired jokes. No, no, I'm not going to do that. But I am going to advocate something, and this is the same thing that I'm going to advocate when I start talking about the devil show, and that's that we just ignore. We ignore this behavior. I say it quite frequently, and I will continue to say it. If you ignore behavior, it's one of the fastest ways to extinguish it, to make it go away. Whenever Trump was running and he was president, if the people who hated him so much could have absolutely just ignored him, not responded to any of his posts, blocked him on all social media, that would be the fastest way to get to him or to shut him down or to change his behavior. What would happen? Advertisers would say, oh, well, it's not worth us spending money to advertise on Trump's campaign because everyone blocks him and no one reads what he says. But instead, they all get involved, and there's engagement, and they're fighting, and they become tribal. So that drives up the value of the advertising on Trump's feed. So if you want a behavior to stop, which in this case, I can only assume all the right-wing people who you know, have gotten to where they can just talk about social issues, I'm assuming that they, they would like this behavior to stop, and I could be wrong. Maybe they... They like the views and the clicks and the clickbait that they're getting from this just like everyone else does. But in my opinion, in my perfect world, there are so many other things to talk about than what some fool wears to some stupid award show that no one even cares about. Now you're sitting here thinking, Well, if it's not that important, then why are you even talking about it right now, Brandon? And I'm not really talking about it. I'm saying we should just ignore it. If we all just ignored it, 
then no one would talk about it, and it would eventually go away. But people can't stand not to talk about it. So the purpose of this little segment is to get you to just ignore those things. Don't bring them up to people. Don't talk to people about them. And encourage everyone who has the same mindset as you to do the same thing, right? If someone starts griping about it, all you have to do is say, hey, I don't care. I don't want to talk about that. I don't. Let's talk about the UFOs that are invading the country or the Chinese spy balloons. Let's let's talk about that. Let's not talk about the people wearing trash bags to an award show. That that is of zero importance to anyone. Now, unless you're into fashion, but if you're that kind of person who's into fashion, you might be talking about it from a different angle or a different perspective, right? Which is fine if that's your thing. If you're into fashion and you want to dissect what he wore, then there's nothing wrong with that. But I'm mainly referring to the the right-wing people who have now just developed a business model that takes the opposite side of the left, that talk about the flip side of all the social issues. And the same thing with the stupid devil costume. You know, I, I'll be honest with you. I'll be, I did not even watch the clip. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me that they're playing devil and they're dressing up in red because really what these people want most is a reaction. They want to be the guy who's on the other end of the prank calling, doing the calling. They want to be the one who hears the guy get all mad when they, they call someone and they say, hey, is your refrigerator running? And they go, well, yeah. And they go, well, you better go catch it. They're, those are the people that they are. And they want to hear the guy get mad and say, you stupid sons of bitches, why are you calling me? You know, and then that's that's how they get their thrills. Now, this is no different. The only difference is that these are grownups, but they still derive joy from drama. See, there's a few different kinds of people in the world when you talk about drama. There's the kind of people who avoid it and want nothing to do with it, and it doesn't fulfill their lives at all. They would rather have no drama. And those are the kind of people who are willing to endure drama or willing to endure backlash in order to stand behind their opinions or their beliefs or their values. Now, the other type of person is the person who thrives on drama. It makes their days better. It gives them something to talk about at work. This is why soap operas are so popular, or they were. I don't know if they are anymore, but this is why The View is popular, because they create drama. And drama sells just as much as sex does, believe it or not. But going back to the show, you've got these people who they dress in these red outfits and they get with these cages and this fire. And they think to themselves, yeah, we're going to really get them riled up. We're going we're gonna to get a lot of clicks this week, guys. Be ready. Hope your servers are backed up because we're going to break the Internet with this one. That's that's their goal. That's That's what they're going for. They're not trying to display some secret idea that they're devil worshipers or that they want to bring Satan into the world. Most of these people are atheists, so it doesn't matter to them one way or another. So there's that aspect of it. The aspect that we should just ignore it because it's silly. And if we don't like it, we just turn it off and don't support it. Don't watch it. Don't talk about it. The other aspect is the right-wing conservatives who love to talk about the devil show Whatever happened to free speech? Whatever happened to allowing people to say whatever it is they want to say, even if we don't like it? Because this is now where the shoe's on the other foot. 
And take note, you people, the people who think that I'm biased and that I'm not really objective and that I just regurgitate everything I hear from the conservative radio talk show guys. Take note. But here's an example where we don't practice what we preach. And if we're going to say, you have to let us have free speech on Twitter, you can't be... So you can't be um, not um, saying what we say because you don't like it. If you're going to be that guy, you have to be okay with these people putting people in devil costumes and cages on the stage in the Grammys. You know what you can do? You can turn it off, and you can never watch the Grammys again. And their advertising rates will go down, and they will lose money, and the show will end up probably being canceled. But we can't. We can't do that because it's too dramatic. It's something... It's something to talk about. I feel the same way about these people that get on social media. These freaks who have all this multicolored hair and piercings on their nose and their ears and their eyeballs and who knows where else. And they talk about being able to teach children about transgender. And they're worried about having surgeries to change their weenies into hoo-hahs and their hoo-hahs into weenies. Listen. They have the right to free speech. What we need to do is ignore it because there are not many of those people. It is not worth consuming our time talking about the differences in our cultural and social opinions because we will never think like them and they will never think like us. We will never think it's okay to teach children about trans subjects. But the only time that we should fight that battle is when they are attempting to teach our kids in our school trans subjects. Now, I don't. when I say our kids in our school, I mean the school district in which you live or the state where you live. If they're trying to implement something to teach kids you don't want, that's when you speak up. But if they're doing it in Baltimore and you live in Florida, this doesn't concern you. It does not concern you. It's no different than making weed legal in certain states, right? States should have the right to teach the most ridiculous things in the school that they want to teach. And as citizens, we have the right to leave that state because the country would be a better place if everyone can be satisfied, if everyone can find their niche, and if the people who want to teach little children about sexual topics that is going to destroy their lives, they can. They should be able to. As long as you don't force that subject on the parents who don't want their children to learn that feel the same way about the Bible. I feel the same way about the Koran and Muslim and Hindu, right? I wouldn't want my child going to a school where they teach them Hindu. I wouldn't mind my kid going to a school where they teach them Christianity because I'm a Christian. And I also understand that a Muslim person would not want their Muslim child going to a school that teaches Christianity because they are not Christian. In a perfect world, we find a way to accommodate everyone. We have Muslim schools and we have Christian schools. We have schools where they teach you how to chop off your wiener and turn it into a vajayjay. And we have schools where we teach you not to do that. Quite frankly, if people want to self-mutilate and take their kids and do that to them, I'm sorry. I know they don't own their kids, but it is their kids. They have the right to raise their kids as freakishly as they want to. Now, the state can create laws to stop those types of things from happening, but I would be okay with people voting within a state. And the people within the state, if they vote yes, we want to teach about chopping off wieners in elementary school, if the majority votes yes, that's what they get. And the other people that don't like it, they can leave. This whole idea that we have to force people 
who have entirely different norms, values, cultures, religions. The idea that we should just force everyone into this box where we can't talk about the things that pertain to their sect or their lifestyle or their religion is dumb because we have the ability, we have the freedom of movement. We have states that have their own budgets. They can create their own curriculums. And I, and I think that we need to be okay with people doing things that we don't approve with be, approve of because we recognize the fact that one day we might want to teach our kids things that other people don't approve of. And so having an, a method to deal with that is easily just having multiple locations where people can learn or do and live by the means that they think is best. I don't think that curriculum should be federal law. I don't, when they built our government, they didn't have some government acronym agency for students and learning and teachers and curriculum. That wasn't at the federal level. Much like everything else that just got piled on. So, yeah, that's it. Free speech means free speech. I don't care who you are. I don't care if it's about the devil. You know, we don't we don't stop the guy who stands outside the movie theater and waves a Bible around and says, if you don't repent now, you're all going to go to hell. We don't stop that guy. We don't need to stop the person on the Grammys who wants to put the devils on the stage in the cage in the fire. We can let them do it. We can let them do it. We can make fun of them. Or we can ignore them. And that's it. Free speech. That is all I'm going to say about that. Free as speech. You live in sin, you burn in hell. Jesus Christ is my nigga. He's the son of the original G. And he was sent to earth to elucidate the way that we should be. And I'm proud to be an American. And I'm proud to be an American. And now it's time to talk about one of my favorite subjects. AI. No, not artificial insemination. Artificial intelligence. I've talked plenty about chat GPT, and if you've heard all about it, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go there. I don't know if you've taken notice, but a lot of other companies are trying to launch their own version. Microsoft and Google being the two big ones. And I heard that Google's fell flat on its face, and Microsoft tried to go live with their their version of chat GPT, but I don't think they could pull it off. They couldn't make it work. So they're still in the works. They're going to try to get it sorted out. And what's crazy to me is that the astounding rate at which pace this stuff is moving, this stuff is moving like lightning. Remember a year ago, we hadn't even heard of chat GPT and we all thought that the, the way robots were going to take over is by through movement, right? Through through replacing someone who does a menial task, like flipping burgers or putting widgets together. You know, they're taking a lid and putting it on something and screwing it together, like on an assembly line. And what we're seeing with the launch of ChatGPT is that that's probably not going to be the case, that it's going to be people who call themselves creators that create content for whatever, any social media platform or blog articles or SEO for websites, coding, these types of things are that don't require the physical manipulation of something to complete a job. And so here's my prediction. As, as we go forward and this happens, the AI is going to get better and better at convincing humans 
that it's a real human. And so what we will have is we'll have these deep fake videos or audio clips of of what looks to be like individuals saying things or doing things that that they claim is not true. And so let's just say that somebody gets shown in a video doing something really bad that they're not supposed to be doing. There will be a point in time where that person says, that is not me. I was not there. This video is entirely fake. This is all AI. And then we'll have to have some sort of method that can determine for us whether or not the real humans telling the truth and that the video came out is generated by robots or AI. And there will be this constant battle of, of trying to figure out what's real and what's fake. Eventually, we're going to get to the point where we won't, we still won't know. Because think about it like this. There's going to be two ro robots who are trying to trick each other, who are trying to write code that tricks the other one into thinking something is real or fake when it's the opposite. So they're going to run away with it. We're, we're going to be left behind, and all we're going to be able to do is look at the code that this AI presents and say whether or not we think the videos that we're watching are real or deep fakes. And this is kind of a double-edged sword because one of the things that has propelled America as far as it has in as short of an amount of time as it has is the fact that we're, we deal with scammers and crooks and hackers. And I know it sucks to have to deal with them, but because of their effort, it's it takes us, the good guys, to step up their game. And when the good guys step up their game, the hackers and the bad guys step up their game. So there's this constant press or vibe power. Someone does something, someone else outsmarts them. Someone else does something, someone else outsmarts them. And it keeps going and going and going. And throughout the course of this, it generates a more accurate, more fair, more efficient product for the users. And this is one of the things that I say that has made America so great is that we have the mentality, the Western Anglo-American culture is to always be striving, always be pushing, trying to outsmart, trying to outwit, trying to outdo. And I know there are lots of people out there who think, well, that's just capitalism. It's just better if we could all just live the same and not even have to work. If I don't even want to work, I'd rather just have a universal basic income. I can just do art all day. That's fine, but that's not. this is not the country for you. That, that happens over in other countries. Here, the reason that we are rich and the reason that we have multiple cars per household and air conditioning and heating in every house and everyone's fat is because that we're always trying to outdo our competition. And so because of that, be, because that we're always trying to do the next thing or take the next step, we're going to program that into the robots. We're going to push our culture in our mindset. And the things that we think are important and valuable, we're going to teach robots to do that. The good side is that we have limitless labor. The only thing that will constrain our labor is money. And the bad thing is, is that we won't know eventually what's real and what's fake. There will be someone who's shown on a video robbing a bank and they'll say, I was not there. That's not me. And then we'll have to go to court. We'll have to take it, put, present it to the robot matrix. We'll decide, was this really a human there or was it CGI? And I have no clue on how the technical aspect of all that will work. I'm just a former construction worker taking guesses in the dark.
I guess it'll be convenient for some people like like Kamala Harris who can who can get up there and say, that was not me speaking. I was not speaking when you when you saw that video. That was someone else's fake. This is a deep fake. And then she could just she could just deny the fact that she can't talk to anyone but kindergartners. It is time for us to do what we have been doing, and that time is every day. Every day is time for us to agree. This whole thing about the border, we've been to the border. We've been to the border. You haven't been to the border. I, and I haven't been to Europe. And I, I mean, I don't think you guys. And my All pronouns right. are she, her, and hers. She, her, and her. She would look down at me and Kamala, what do you want? What do you want? And I looked back up at her and I said, freedom. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to literally see the craters on the moon with your own eyes. Oh, my goodness. With your own eyes, I'm telling you. We must together work together to see where we are, where we are headed, but also see it as a moment, yes, to together. You see what I mean? You see how convenient that will be for her to be like, oh, no, that wasn't me. I don't I don't say anything that foolish and idiotic. And you know what? While I'm on the topic of stupid and foolish and idiotic people, this person that I'm about to describe, you know, I'm not I'm not one to advocate violence or doing mean things or harming people. I don't think that's the solution. But if this person never had a vocal voice, never had a public voice, so long as we both shall live, I would be perfectly okay with that. And I would imagine she would feel the same way about me if she ever heard my thoughts. And so because of that, I'm going to tell you her name. Whoopi Goldberg. Whoopi Goldberg. She's mad at the world. She's a fat black lady who's stupid and mad at everyone and thinks that all white people are evil. That's the best Whoopi Goldberg impression I can do. But I just really have one question. I have one. There's one thing that boggles my mind about Whoopi Goldberg. Okay? Why does anyone care what she says? Question mark. Why? Who cares what... You know what? I'm tired I'm tired of these Alec Baldwins and Stephen Kings and these once had been actors who think that their opinion is more high and mighty than all of us peon down here. And that because they can play pretend for a living and they get paid bukus of money to act like someone they're not, that their opinion in real life should be more valuable than the butcher... Or the barber? Or the candle maker? Come on, man! Stick to your area of expertise. Stick to acting. Criticize what actors are doing wrong. Explain to people what actors can do better. And people who play pretend can do better. But don't come over here talking about politics. Because chances are, you do not know what you're talking about. Now, I say that about Whoopi because I think she's stupid. I, I think she is low IQ. If I had to guess Whoopi Goldberg's IQ, I would say probably 90, 95, something like that. But because she's on a TV show, and but because she's always griping about racism, there's people out there that listen to her. And what have these people accomplished? What have they gotten done? 
Have they made any significant changes in what they perceive to be a racist country? I venture to say no. I venture to say that if you ask these people what has happened to racism in the last 10 years, they will tell you that it's gotten worse. When in reality, there's no way to measure it. Or as Joe Biden would say, there's no way to measure it. That's the only way. You can find room to pay for it. Ugh, so creepy. I picture him like whispering into a little girl's ear when he's sniffing their hair. How are you, baby? How old are you? How old are you? How old are you? Nine. Almost double figures. Almost double figures. Then what? Then what, you creepy old corpse? So this leads me quite marvelously into my next topic which kind of is part of the same topic of not listening to stupid people like Whoopi Gold Turd who gets paid to play pretend or at least she used to back in the day and somehow or another she's developed this falling of people that think she knows better than anyone else probably because they lack confidence they don't have the ability to read well and so they just listen to whatever it is she's saying and if you listen to her long enough, she'll convince you that the entire country is racism and it's just built on racist and what do we just need to see white people being beaten up? Meh. So let's talk about let's talk about what I talked about at the beginning in brevity, and that is the what they had printed on the end zone of the football game called the Super Bowl. At one end of the field, inside the end zone, right at the very back. It said, it takes all of us. And then I saw that and I thought, what What do we do? And why are we, we're making some kind of statement saying that it takes all of us. We're either talking about the mask, we're talking about the vaccine. We can't just talk about football anymore. We've got to bring other crap into it. So I kept pondering, what does it mean it takes all of us? It takes all of us to be like Norway? And then I saw the other end of the football field where the other end zone was, and it said end racism or something like that. So I think it said like, yeah, I think it said end racism. And I just put my head into my hand. I thought to myself, this is why. This is why I don't watch football. I don't care. I don't care about these people. I don't care what they think because what they're doing is dividing us. They're making things worse. But let's just break it down. Let's just say that let's just start with their point of saying that this country is racist and we're all racist and everyone's racist. Let's just say that we all are, okay? I don't think we are. I think we're less racist than we've ever been in the history of the entire country when you ask people on an individual level. Well, let's just say, for the sake of this argument, that we're all racist, okay? Everyone's racist. And the way that these people think is a good way to end it is to write end racism on the football field. They're telling us on a message on the football field to end racism. Now, let's say that we're racist. Let's say that we don't like people based on the color of their skin and what they look like and what they say and the clothes they wear. Would a silly message written in the grass at the end of the football field change anyone's mind? Would it change your mind? If you thought that we were all racist and you were a racist and you saw on the football field end racism, it takes all of us, would you really think, you know what, they're right, they have a point. I've been racist my whole life 
And now, since I saw it written on the field of the NFL football game, I think it's time to end it. I think it's time to stop hating people based on the color of their skin and start loving them with unconditional kindness and solidarity. You want to know how I know that that's not the solution? Because you cannot change the way that people feel. You can't change the way that they think. All you can do is expect them to treat people the same. You cannot expect them to change their motivations and change how they feel and what's inside their hearts. And to do that is an unrealistic exercise in futility. Go back and talk to anyone that's played football. They'll tell you. Anyone, you talk to these guys that played in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s, right after the Civil Rights Movement, you know what? There, there may have been some incidences where they got treated poorly, but if we look at it, most of them would say, yeah, I mean, we were all on the same team. There was black guys, there was white guys, and, you know, we would joke around with them and they would joke around with us, but we were all on the same team. We were teammates. And now, because of this idiot, Whoopi Goldberg, and because of putting things in the end zone that say it takes all of us to end racism, it's never going to end. The perception will never go away. And if the perception never goes away, then they will never stop saying not to be racist. And if they continue to tell people not to be racist, what will happen? We will turn into freaking racists. Look, let people live their life. Tell people to call out racism when they see it. Ask them to stand up for themselves. Do not take this, oh, I'm going to stand up for black people because there's no one to stand up for them. I'd be willing to bet that if you know a black person and you say, hey, if you felt like you were being treated poorly by racist people, would you rather white people jump in and defend you or could you handle it on your own? And all the black people I know said, man, I could handle that on my own. That don't concern them. It's funny. All these woke liberals who run around trying to defend black people are the butt of their jokes. They're joking about these people. But all of the nonsense that that's running around pointing fingers at people so that they feel better about themselves, it's only making things worse. It, it's going to continue to build and build until something breaks. Until something breaks or we actually get invaded by aliens and we have to all come together. And the black people and the white people will all do things hand in hand, which we pretty much did. We did up until the last five years, ten years. It feels to me like it started with Obama. I could be wrong. I've aged quite a bit since he won and since now. And so my perception could be off. And I think deep down inside, these people probably have good intentions. I think they're misguided. I think they're misled. I think they're manipulated by social media and mainstream media into perceiving that something is a way that it's not. And the only way that you can know that is if you live there and experience it or talk to the people who are there, right? You can't live in Portland and see a news clip of someone in Mississippi of a black guy and say that all Mississippi's racist because that's judgmental. And remember, we don't like being judgmental. We're not supposed to be judgmental. We're supposed to be accepting and open and permissible to ideas. If someone's racist, they'll tell you. They'll tell you through their actions. They will make it undoubtedly clear. And if they don't tell you, and there are no actions which scream, hey, I'm racist, 
then there's nothing there's nothing to worry about. If the KKK isn't going around hanging people and preaching that black people should die, but they have their own little stupid beliefs and their own little stupid communities and they wear their own little stupid hats and they're not hurting anyone, let them let them teach their kids that white is a supreme race. Just like I say, let the trans kids teach their kids to chop off their wieners. Okay? You can think whatever you want to think. As long as it's within the guidelines of the law. As long as you're not breaking laws, you can do whatever. You could think you're the supreme race. Hey, newsflash, buddy. You're not. Newsflash, your hat's stupid. Newsflash, if you were a real man, you wouldn't wear hoods, right? But we will never change the way people feel. And the longer we try to, the longer we try to manipulate the way people feel, the more we will manipulate them into acting that way. And that's a profound statement. Put that in your diary right there. Write that one down. And to get hot, I got a lot of, I got hairy legs that turn, that, 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 that turn what? Uh, uh, um, blonde in the okay. sun. Yeah, got it. And the kids used to come up and reach in the no pool way. No and way. rub my leg down. <laughs> so it was straight and then watch the hair stand up, c- come back up again. That's what I thought. They'd look at it. So I learned about roaches. I roaches. learned about kids jumping on my lap. Ro- you learned about roaches, Joe? What? What are you saying? You're saying that you were a lifeguard at a black pool and you learned about roaches? Okay, buddy. I tell you, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, what happened? And you ain't black. Okay. All right, then. All right. Moving along. Blood pressure's coming back down. We got some funny, funny Joe Biden lines to ease the edge. And for my next topic, which, man, I'm kind of going slow today. I still got a long ways to go. My next topic is called, I want to live in a country that everyone is terrified of. And let me explain that to you, Lucy. Let me explain to you what I mean. I want to live in a country, well, two two things. I want to live in a country where people are terrified of the police. I, I want them to be scared of the cops. I want them to be fearful that the cops will hurt them if they don't comply. Now, this is not because I want the cops to have more power. It's because I want crime to stop. And I want people to understand, if you do not comply with what the police tell you, you will be hurt. You will be injured. You will get bitten by a dog. You will get beaten up. And if people understood that, and we allowed cops to, to use brute force. Now, listen, I'm not a fighter. I'm not a, I mean, I will if I need to. And it's just pretty important to me that I win if I fight. But it's not something that I think is the solution to lots of things. But I do think violence is the solution to some things. And it's something that can it needs to only be used when absolutely necessary. But it should be a tool in the toolbox. If you did, if you had police officers who were terrifying to citizens people would do less things wrong. Now, I'm not going to be extreme. I'm not going to say you should get dragged out of your car and beaten for a traffic violation. But I am going to say that when it comes time to fight a cop, if you decide to play that game, the repercussions should be harsh. You should expect them to be way worse than what they are now. Because, you know, we have no problem when we go visit Buckingham Palace and there's the guards standing there looking very stoic, like statues. And they've got their machine guns, and they've got their big, tall, fuzzy hats on. And what are you told? 
Or at least what was I told as a 12-year-old boy who thought that I was tough when I was visiting Jolly Old England. I was told, do not mess with those guards. There's a line in front of them. Do not cross the line. Do not go mock them. Respect them because they will hit you in the forehead with their guns. <laughs> you know what I did? I did not go mock them. I did not go play with them. I didn't go toy with them. And believe me, I will say, okay, I will say I was the kind of kid who, if I ever had the opportunity to go mock somebody or poke fun of them, I'm not, I'm not going to lie, I would do it. Now, I didn't pick on the weaklings. I didn't pick on the children that got bullied. I did push the boundaries with things that I wasn't supposed to do with people that I wasn't supposed to do them with. But we'll save those stories for another day. But I knew, I knew when it was time to respect someone or to not mess with them because the repercussions were so bad. So that's one way. I want people to fear the police. I want them to be scared of fighting the cops. It would just make for a better environment. It's, this is how it is with the Taliban. No one messes with the Taliban. Now, I'm not saying we should rule as extremely as they do and take away rights like they do, but I am saying that if you push back, you should get pushed back. And the next way that I think that people should fear us is other countries. We should behave in a way that other countries think to themselves, mm -mm, do not do that to the U.S. They will come out of the, the cave from hibernation, rested, and ready to get your ass. Don't mess with the United States. That, that's the presence that I want to have in the world. And how do you obtain that? Well, you have to make an example out of people. You can't do things like, well, we're going to just give Ukraine a little bit of money and they're going to kind of fight Putin on their own and we're just going to see how it goes. No, if you want to defend Ukraine, then you go in there and you tell Russia, get out of here, sit down, shut up and leave. Otherwise, they're not going to take you seriously. They're going to think that you're the mom whose kid does something naughty and starts to count and goes one, two, three, four. And there's never a, there's never a 10, right? Because the child learns, oh, well, I can do this as long as she doesn't start counting. Then, then once she starts counting, then I got to stop doing it. I can hear it. I can hear it right now. Brandon, you are a dog trainer. You are not a parent. I know I'm not a parent, but I am obvious. And of course, all this relates to the balloons and the UFOs and the shooting of the things in the sky. At some point, we've got to be the aggressor. And I'm not saying the point's now. I'm not saying it's tomorrow. I'm not saying it's right now. I'm saying that I don't think Joe Biden and co., the people that we've got leading this military that, that are supposed to be like fierce warriors, which at least is what I want in the military, right? I'm not concerned about diversity in the slightest when it comes to military. I don't want diversity of thought. I don't want diversity of skin color. I want a chain of command, and I want the most powerful, baddest sons of bitches at the top, okay? If you want less than that, then you want weakness, and that's okay. We can want different things. But see, right now, Biden and co., they're more concerned with putting men who wear high heels into these positions and that men who pose in these stupid face masks for pictures and they put people into power 
the men that dress like women that steal luggage from airports, right? Because it's very important to them that we're very diverse. So we give a clear signal to all of our enemies that we're weak little boonannies who are scared to fight. And we are. That's what we are right now. We're scared. We're scary, as they say. Think about it. If you were going to go somewhere dangerous and you needed a bodyguard, you needed four bodyguards to, to guard you, to keep you safe from danger, because you understand, hey, I'm not capable of protecting myself to this place where I'm going. I could be outnumbered. There's some really tough hombres there, and I need help. So I'm going to hire some guidos to go with me. What do you want? You want the biggest, toughest, roughest, baldest, muscliest guy there is? Or do you want the guy who looks like he's wearing skinny jeans and is real skinny and wears dark rim glasses and just doesn't like to fight unless he has to? Which guy do you want? Why can't we scale that up? Why is it a secret that, or why can we not say that these people are not fit for the military? You can be diverse. You can go do your high heel shoes and the drag shows on the Sunday morning, but you have no place in the military. And I know there's lots of people out there. This, this might keep me from being elected one day. Who knows? You know, I don't know. It's just my opinion. It's just my opinion. And I don't think I don't think it's right to go in and change a bunch of rules and laws and policy based on my opinion. But what I would like to see is the general sentiment across the body of people tend to agree or understand my point of view. And then from that point, once we've changed the sentiment, then we can change the policy. But I'm not a dictator. Although, I mean, it would be kind of fun. I would never want to take power from someone unless I was given power by the people. But if someone made me dictator for 10 years, I, I think I could do some good. I don't know. You never know. But it'd be fun to try. Everybody in Cleveland, low minority, got Obama phone. Keep Obama in president, you know? He what? gave us a phone. Y'all remember the Obama phones? Yeah. Did y'all know? Did anybody know anybody with an Obama phone? My dad had an Obama phone. I remember my dad showed up. He didn't have two pennies to rub together. He showed up with a cell phone. I said, Dad, where did you get that cell phone? He was for free. He got, I got it for free. I said, man, you you happy Obama won. And he didn't, he didn't like that, but he showed it like his free phone. <laughs> I guess, you know what? I guess I'm okay. I'm okay with providing free phones to poor people. I am. I really am. I, I would be satisfied knowing that that's where my tax dollars went. If they were efficiently used and it was like $1 of my taxes paid for $1 of cell phone minutes and it was the same as what I paid for Verizon, I'd be okay with that. I really would. I don't think it's too much of a luxury to provide that to people if we can. Now, I'm not willing to pay extra, but if you can if you can do that from the tax money that I already get jacked, go for it. Give them the phone. I'm not going to vote for somebody because of that, but I'm okay with an Obama phone. You about to lose your job. You about to lose your job. Get this dance. You about to lose your job because you are detaining me for, for nothing. nothing. Golly, we're at 47 minutes and I'm not just like halfway through my bullet points. All right, I'm going to try to speed things up a little bit. It's hard for me sometimes to go fast, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to pick up the pace here a little bit. You know, one thing that has been bothering me, not, not bothering, one thing I've been thinking about lately 
and I've talked about it, I don't know, two, three weeks ago. And if you think about what, what, what liberal people generally want, what the left side of the political spectrum, what they want is they want, they want redeeming qualities to be known. They want the, the little known qualities of people to be respected and I, and there's nothing wrong with it there's nothing wrong with recognizing uh redeeming qualities of people now where we've gone astray is that it's morphed into this all or nothing transaction where either the, you're for the person or you're against the person we have to either support someone or we have to hate their guts i say that but I'm about to give you an example of how that's not the case. So this, I want to illustrate to you the hypocrisy and what, in this specific case, is on the left side of the spectrum, right? I've already talked about the right a little bit. I'm going to talk about the left, okay? So the left has made it a point to require that we change the names of schools that are named after Robert E. Lee and that we no longer call them the Washington Redskins because we're afraid that it might offend Native Americans. So with these people, there may have been some redeeming qualities with the Robert E. Lees and the, the people that were pretending like never existed. You know, there may have been some redeeming qualities. I, I'm not a huge student of Robert E. Lee, so I couldn't tell you, but I'd be willing to bet from a leadership perspective or a business perspective or a military strategy perspective there's things that can be respected about the guy. But because he's done one thing that one group of people, which everyone now, I guess, technically, we can all admit slavery, slavery's wrong. We would never say, like, let's bring back slavery for a couple reasons, but we would never do that. So why do we have such a hard time looking at someone like Robert E. Lee and dissecting the good from the bad and saying, you know what, during the time that he was around, it was kind of acceptable to have slaves. Now, obviously, we don't feel that way today. So we're not condoning what he did when it came to slavery. However, we do find that ABC, XYZ was admirable about the guy. And I think this is kind of how Ye felt about Hitler. Okay, I'm not going to comment my opinion about that. But that's, I feel like, kind of what he did. And when it fits the narrative of the left to not promote or to cancel someone because of a horrific past, they're unwilling to look at the things that they may have done that were valuable to our culture. And our when I say our culture, I mean like the, the American culture, the, the way that the things that we perceive and the historical figures that we look up to, right? So we're willing to just throw all that out the window. Because he did one thing that we disagree with today. Now, take on the flip side of this coin. You got someone like George Floyd. Okay, The guy was allegedly killed by the police. The, the, the jury told us that it was murder and they tried to kill him and they killed the guy. There are people out there who disagree, but let's just say that that's the case and that we murdered him. The cops killed him. They planned to do it and they executed him. But if you look at the guy's rap sheet... He has been arrested and convicted and a felon and out on parole and out on probation more times than me and you can shake a stick at, as my grandfather used to say. But with him, we're not willing to discount 
his martyrdom based on his past decisions. And I'm just saying that's odd. That's all I'm saying is that it's weird and it seems kind of like a double standard that we're willing to wipe Robert E. Lee off the face of the earth, pretend like he never existed when we can all admit he did one thing that was really, really bad. And that was he fought on the side who wanted to maintain the rights to keep slaves if the states wanted to. Okay, that's what that's why they don't like him, because he fought on the side that wanted to leave the rights in the hands of the states to allow slavery. So they, nope, you're done. Off the history books forever. We're done with you. Go away, you. And then you've got George Floyd, who beats up women, hits his pregnant girl, does all kinds of bad stuff. But they're not willing to wipe him off the face of the earth because he was killed by the cops. And I just find that odd. That's it. That is all I'm going to say other than, <laughs> other than, we should honor the people that stood for things. I don't, I don't know what George Floyd stood for, okay? I'm not saying whether he did or didn't. A stand in solidarity, I don't know if he did or not. Rosa Parks stood for something. Robert E. Lee stood for something. We should memorialize people who stand for things, even if we don't memorialize them for the thing that they stood for, right? And maybe memorialize is too too powerful of a word, right? I'm not saying we should memorialize Hitler, but I am saying it would be okay, I would be okay in my hypothetical dictator world to teach children about Hitler and how evil the things that he did were and how bad it was, just like we do. But I would also be okay with teaching them, hey, even though he was a horrible, horrible, terrible human and we're glad he's gone, here are some things that were effective for him. And I don't know the proper age range to teach kids these things because I'm just a dog trainer. I don't have kids. But at some point in a child's life, they're capable of processing the, these things. And they're also capable of processing the difference between stealing cars and video games and stealing cars in person. And we allow them to use that discernment. We say, okay, we can make video games about people stealing cars, because we trust that they're going to be smart enough to know that that's different than doing it in person. If we're going to give kids the ability to discern between those two realities, we could also give them the ability to look at someone who did bad, bad things, but had a couple different qualities about them that could be respected. We've, we've gotten so tribal and so binary that we don't have the ability to do that. Martin Luther King stood for things. Malcolm X stood for things. I don't know if George Floyd stood for things. I know he was killed. It seemed very unfair. I personally believe he died from a fentanyl overdose, but that's that's not part of this engagement or this argument anymore. I'm just saying if he did stand for things, nobody knew what it was, which makes his death useless. Martin Luther King, he was a womanizer. He cheated on his wife. He slept with all different kinds of women. You know, there are certain cultures who are okay with that, right? There are certain types of people that say, I got my wife, I love her, and I'm a girl. We just do it, you know? And and we don't discount Martin Luther King because of those what we perceive to be negative qualities. We still look at the big picture and we say, hey, the guy had some pretty pretty deep wisdom. He, he, he spoke the truth. 
and that's good. We should honor him. Very, very, very different than George Floyd. Very, very different. Now, you may disagree, and that's fine. That's fine with me. I just wonder what you tell your kids when you're looking at the George Floyd statue. I think it's in Houston, or the mural. You know, they got to paint it all over the walls. What do you tell your kids when, you, when your kid sees that? And they go, Mommy, why is that man on the side of the building? Oh, yeah, well, he was killed by the police. Oh, what did he do? He didn't do anything. They just killed him. But why is his picture on the wall? Uh, well, uh, because the police killed him. But why is his picture on the wall? See, there's no answer. There's no answer to that. Why is his picture on the wall? I don't know. I don't know. You got me. You got me. If police killing people is not something we want to memorialize, perhaps we shouldn't memorialize the people that they killed. So don't mess with me when it comes to words like that. Okay. Boom, boom. Next topic. Like a machine gun over here. This is a little bit less less blood pressure raisy for me. <laughs> I'm going to try not to get all worked up. I'm going to get all fired up. You know, recently the topic of egg prices has been has been trending, as they say, and everyone talks about how the egg prices, they're just gouging us and they're burning down their facilities and charging more for eggs. And I want to give a little explanation about how this whole system works so that the people that don't quite understand supply and demand and elastic goods, which I'll get into here in a second, for the people that don't understand how that works and what a commodity is, I'm going to break it down for you into my best ability. I'll probably get some of this stuff wrong. I ain't no smart man. But when it comes to eggs, we we have to take the, the economic model from a small level and make it really, 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 really big. Okay? So let's just talk about eggs, right? Eggs are a commodity, what is a commodity? A co commodity is something that is interchangeable. It's fungible. So I can buy an egg that's this brand over here at this store, and it's going to cost about this much. It can go across the world or the country and pretty much buy the same egg. Now, it might be a different price. It might be a different brand, but it's interchangeable. It's, a, it's just an egg from a chicken. Now, there's different grades and different sizes, but think about also gold silver, copper, no matter where I buy it, I'm buying the same product. doesn't matter who produced it or where they got it from. It's the same product. Now, now commodities are kind of their own animal because of the fact that there's not a lot of brands that have significance when it comes to commodities. Whenever one building burns down, right, and he can't get his eggs out there, what happens? Well, there's a lot of other guys that have eggs too, and they could sell their eggs. But the problem is that everything was in equilibrium. Everything was balanced out, meaning the chicken farmers, they would collect their eggs every week. And their goal was to sell every single one of those eggs and have none left over that they have at home for all of their eggs. That way they can maximize their efficiency. So you got the one farmer, he's got his chickens, he grows his eggs and gives his, sells his eggs every week. Now, Take that and scale it up across the entire country. There's X number of egg buyers. There's X number of egg farms. 
and they're all kind of operating in the equilibrium in the in the way that there's there's no waste right all the eggs are spoken for they're being sold you're not throwing away eggs if you were having extra eggs you could lower your price to get rid of them and when you lower your price on a commodity your competitors pretty much have to do the same thing because remember they're selling the same product that you are the profit in commodities is how you can produce it and get it to the market. It's not the type of product that you make because they're all making the same thing. So the question is, how fast can you make it? How cheap can you make it? How fast can you get it to the stores? So let's go back to the whole supply of all the eggs. And we know that there's been some, uh, what, chicken places burned down. There's been chicken flu and all that stuff. And because of that, it's it's messed up the supply of eggs, okay? So remember, when we were in equilibrium, every egg that was being laid was being sold. Now that we take away a lot of those eggs, we pull them out of the market, now we've got more egg buyers than we have eggs. So what happens? How do you pick? If you sell eggs for a living, how do you pick who gets your eggs? Well, there's more buyers than sellers, remember. So if I have a restaurant and my dishes require eggs, I'll say, hey, eggs are getting harder to come by. I will pay more. If you can guarantee me eggs for my Denny's, I'll pay you a nickel more per egg. Well, okay, that's fine with me. Now the egg farmer is selling his eggs for a nickel more, and then the grocery store comes to him and says, hey, we've got to have eggs to put in our store because our people, they come every week, and they buy their breakfast foods, and if we don't have eggs for them, they're going to go somewhere else. We've got to have eggs. The chicken or the egg farmer says, that's fine, but I'm getting a nickel more over here from Denny's. So you're going to have to give me seven or eight cents more. And then what happens? That Now the chicken farmer gets seven or eight cents more. Now what happens? Denny says, well, what about us? We need our eggs. We'll give you two cents more than the grocery store. And so that's how the prices get bid up. Because if someone had the ability to produce more eggs, they would be doing that. Remember, everything was balanced perfectly before we had the, the burning of the farms and the chicken flu. Everything was working just right, which means there was probably no empty chicken houses. Because if there were, people would have chickens and then they would be selling eggs. So we can assume that there was no, there's no chicken houses, there's no chickens that are born, Everything's just kind of working right. If you take away 10 or 15% of those chickens, now all of a sudden you got a chicken shortage. You got to build chicken houses. You got to breed more chickens. You get there's lots of things you have to do. And over time, all that stuff happens. But it takes time. It doesn't happen quickly. Now let's just say that the hurricane or tornado comes through, it wipes out 10% of the chicken houses, and you live on the other side of the country and you have all the resources to build a chicken house. And you think to yourself, man, I could build a chicken house, get chickens going, get eggs in there and be cranking out eggs before these people can get rebuilt. And when I do that, I'll pick up all their customers because remember the desire or the demand for eggs hasn't changed. So what do I do? I go throw it in hyperdrive. I go borrow some money. I build the chicken house. I put the chickens in there. Boom. Chickens are laying eggs. Okay. I'm going for about three or four months, and, and everything prices fall back down. Everything's in line. Well, what happens when the, 
the chicken houses that were destroyed by the natural disaster come back. Now we've got an excess supply and the prices fall back down because this chicken farmer's like, I've got to sell these eggs. I can sell them for a nickel less per dozen. And then you got another farmer who says, I've got to move my eggs too. I can sell them for seven cents less per dozen. So now you can see how the prices move going up and the prices can move going down. And this is the beauty of a capitalist marketplace. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that it's a perfectly unregulated free market because it's not because free market and capitalism are two very different things. Capitalism is a function of the free market, but you can have capitalism without having an absolute free market. We're going to save that lesson for another day because we're talking about chickens and eggs. So you see how prices go up and you see how prices go down. This is what we call volatility. It's the price movement of something going up and something going down. It's price swings. Those are not good. We don't, we don't like those because when we're planning a menu or we're planning our budget for our house, we need to know exactly how much chicken eggs cost so that we can plan accordingly. And if one week they're high, that's no good. And then one week they're low, well, that's better for us, but it's hard to plan when we don't know what the price is going to be. And so this entering of the marketplace and exiting of the marketplace is how we find price discovery. Is what it's called. We're, we're discovering the price of eggs. We do, and this this takes time. It doesn't happen very quickly, especially when it takes something like building chicken houses, letting the chickens age, and convincing them to lay eggs. So I wanted to just break it down. I know it's kind of a a novel concept, but I think it's good for for people to understand how to explain things instead of just saying. Well, it's supply and demand. It's just supply and demand. And maybe you can engage in a conversation with the people who think that the the chicken farmers are gouging people. Because here's a news flash: Chicken farmers are in the business to make money. And if they could have charged a higher price at any point in time, I promise you they would have. If I thought I could sell our beers for $10 a piece, I would charge it. The problem is that I know people will not pay for it. And the same holds true. This is why we can say that chicken farmers were not gouging people. Well, I don't know. I, I can't say it for certain because there could be some corruption. I don't know. But most likely, when you have a commoditized environment where all chicken eggs are the same, it's really hard to corner the market and set your price because there's someone else who comes along that can beat you. And really, as the consumer, we really only have a couple options. We can buy our own chickens or we can not buy eggs. And that's really about it. You can't demand that things be priced a certain way. And I think a lot of people that have never owned or run businesses don't understand that you can't not just set your prices wherever you want to set them. Otherwise, they'd be charging $150 per egg. So there's not just some magical thing that happened that gave chicken farmers the ability to start gouging people. Because if they could have, they would have been doing it the whole time. And that's it. That is all I'm going to say about the chicken and the egg. That's, that's the note that I had in my bullet parent. It said chickens and eggs. Now who's responsible? I say who's responsible for this unwarranted attack on my person? Okay, welcome to the Marathon Podcast of 2023. My goodness, alive. I still got two more topics, but I'm only going to cover one of them. As most of you already know, 
I'm a big proponent of creepy dough currency. Cryptocurrency and blockchain or a creepy dough. Creepy dough. Creepy dough. Creepy dough. Creepy dough currency. <laughs> what a funny day. What a funny day. Okay, so I'm a big proponent of blockchain technology and cryptocurrency. Now, I'm not a crypto bro. I'm not a Dogecoin dude. Uh, but I do see the benefits in our technology, and it will only be a matter of time before they are integrated into our daily life. Now, with that in mind, you've got this guy named Gary Gensler. And Gary Gensler is the chairman of the SEC. And Gary Gensler thinks it's very important to protect the people from their own stupid brains, okay? So what the SEC does is they regulate the trading of stocks and the movement of securities. And I'm not going to go into definition about what securities are, but basically they're like the, the watchdogs of the stock market. And they make sure there's no fraud. Well, they're supposed to anyway. They, they miss it all the time. They always get frauded. But either way... They love to make all kinds of rules that tells us what we're allowed to do with our stocks and what we're not allowed to do with them and how the accounting happens and how they get taxed. And so over time, it's evolved into this massive, massive structure of rules and regulations and vie for power. And, you know, there's it's always some professor that ends up being the SEC chairman, and he's probably worked at a bank, probably Goldman Sachs somewhere along the way, and knows the right people, and he gets the, the gig of being the SEC chairman, couldn't run a company to save his life, doesn't know how to motivate employees. Just one of these kinds of, just a numbers nerd. Okay, this guy, Gary Ginster, I'm not going to lie. I'm not trying to be mean. He looks like an alien. Okay, that's just what I'm going to say. But either way, Gary Ginster is now coming out. He's shutting down these crypto exchanges, which probably brings him great joy. I bet he lies asleep at night with a pitched tent, if you know what I mean, thinking about just shutting down the trading platforms where people go to trade their creepy dough currency. Creepy dough currency. And so what he's deciding single-handedly is that all these places need to get shut down, and you're not allowed to trade. Well, within the crypto world, there's this thing called staking, and I'm not going to get too in the weeds on it, but basically you're allocating your your creepy dough currency to someone and they're using that to make money in exchange for that. They're paying you interest or they're paying you a fee for holding on to your creepy dough. And then they're using it like on the computer in some weird technical way to generate them money. And their hope is that they generate more money using your creepy dough than what they pay you for using your creepy dough. And then they keep the difference. They keep the profits. Now, I know there's some crypto people out there going, oh, you don't even know what you're talking about, dude. You missed the whole thing. I know, I know. I, I kept it brief, but but for now, all you need to know is that staking provides you an interest return on your money. So if you loan them $100 and they guarantee 4% per year, you get $4 at the end of the year. And what Gary Gensler is saying is that there's just too many scammers and that we can't let people do that. We can't we can't just let people have the option of getting scammed because, you know, they're just too stupid and they don't they won't know how to catch it and they're going to get all their money taken from them. My question would be, so uh, is it okay to let them go to 
Las Vegas and bet their entire net worth on black? Well, yeah, yeah, that's okay because they know the risk. How did they learn the risk? Because we allowed them to play the game. Think about it like this. Let's just say that there's a group of guys, and they all collect marbles, and they have they have this big tank of marbles, and they go over to their buddy's house, and they say, oh, man, does anyone have that green and red stripy marble? And everyone looks at their marbles, and they say, no, 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 it's in the bucket. Okay, it's in the bucket. All right, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to put a dollar in the dollar drawer, and I'm going to take out the blue stripy one, and I hope it goes up in value. I hope that one day you guys want the stripy one, and you'll pay me two or three bucks for it. And I'm buying it for one. I'm just going to sit on it, hold it, see what happens, okay? Well, is it appropriate for Gary Ginster to come and say, uh-uh, sorry, guys, you are not allowed to trade your marbles for money. Uh, you just can't do it. Uh, well, there are marbles, and it's our money. We don't need any support from you. We don't need your approval. We understand that we can lose our money and our marbles. We're fine with all that. We've we've all agreed that we're okay with this risk. Mm-mm. Nope, sorry. You people are just too stupid. You're not allowed to gamble with your own money. And that, to me, tells me how far we've gone. How far away from the idea of freedom and individuality and personal choice we've gotten. That we're not even allowing people to waste their own money if they want because they're too stupid. Which world would you rather live in? Would you rather live in a world where somebody wants to, to, to bet all their money on marble prices that they're allowed to? Or would you rather live in a world where we say, Mm-mm, no, you can't. You can't bet your own money. Would, would everyone be okay if we made it illegal just to gamble? If Sorry, uh, you can't go gamble at the casino unless you're worth a million dollars. Then you can go gamble because technically that's the law that we have in place right now. You have to be an accredited investor to invest in certain types of investments. And if you're not an accredited investor, it's illegal for you to invest in private equity deals. It's If you had a friend that was opening a business and he's like, hey, you want to invest in my company? Um, 150 grand, and uh, yeah, I think we'll probably make it back in three or four years, and you'll get your money back and then some. No, unless you're worth a million dollars, you can't do it. You can loan money to friends or family. It's got to be less than a certain amount. It's got to be less than a certain percentage of the business. There's all kinds of stipulations that go with it. So, yeah, I don't know. There's about to be a lot of regulation come up about crypto, so you're probably going to hear me talk more about it. We haven't heard much about old Sam Binky Binkman fraud, uh, the guy who got busted for running FTX into the ground and stealing all kinds of money from the creepy dough investors. Creepy dough currency. And I suspect nothing will happen to him. I, I don't think uh, I don't think much. He he's living at his mom and dad's house. The guy's 30, 31 years old, staying with mommy and daddy, waiting for his trial. Uh, don't get me started on that guy. So that's kind of the state of crypto. Uh, buy Bitcoin if you have not. This is not financial advice. But if I was you, I would buy a little Bitcoin every day, every month, every year. And then that way, one day, you're not going to come to me and you're not going to say, But Brandon, why did you never tell us that Bitcoin was going to keep going up for a long, long time? And I'll say, I told you. I told you, you just didn't listen to me. You're more worried about the what if. 
What if it doesn't go up? What if I lose it? What if, well, you know what? What if you're broke forever and ever? Tell them, tell them the thing about the bald eagle. This is the thing. If you can make federal laws to protect the bird, which is the bald eagle, yes, sir. you can make federal laws to protect people of color. Make federal laws to protect people of color. We don't need to protect the white people. We don't need to make laws to protect the people of whiteness. We only need to make laws to protect people of color. All right, I think that's going to do it. I think this might very well be the longest podcast ever in the history of Life in Paradise podcast. The only show on the internet that has nothing to do with the title. And at this time, I would like to remind you to go check out worldsbesthammocks.com. Literally the best hammocks in the world. I've been around the world. I've tried hammocks everywhere. And I have the best hammocks for sale. And you might look at the hammocks and you might think, Oh my gosh, that much money for a hammock? Yes, that much money for a hammock. You know why? Because it is the best in the world. Where else can you go buy the best anything in the entire world for under 400 bucks? And some are even way more cheaper than that. But you'll have to go check it out for your own self. Worldsbesthammocks.com I appreciate everyone listening to yet another episode of Life in Paradise podcast. My bad for being a day late, but here I am, better late than never. I hope everyone out there has a great week. I would like to encourage you to ignore the Grammys, especially the stupid things about stupid people doing stupid cage things in red costumes. Pay very close attention to AI because you're going to see it. It's going to get tricky. Just remember, you will be outsmarted by a robot. Pay no attention to what people like Whoopi Goldberg say, especially Whoopi Goldberg. Aspire to live in a country that's respected by its citizens and its enemies. Learn how to find redeeming characteristics even of the people you hate. Don't be scared to buy your eggs on eBay. Go check out worldsbesthammocks.com. And most of all, do not vote. For Joe Biden. Yeah, but it feels so right. Oh,